Well, praise the Lord, everybody. I am Evangelist Janice Nelson, and I want to welcome you to season two of Broken Vessels Mended and Whole, a weekly women's Bible study podcast. Today is Sabbath Sunday, August 15th, the year of our Lord, 2021. In this Bible study podcast, we address various issues that break the spirit of women and then seek to promote women's spiritual wholeness and well-being with lessons learned from the Word of God. Ladies, in times of trouble, when you are being tried and tested, who do you turn to for advice or counsel? In challenging times, the righteous tend to ask over and over again, what can the righteous do? The perfect answer to this question is hard to find because when things are going well, we tend to rely on civil law, established standards of faith or morality. However, during bad times, when foundations are being destroyed and our spirit is broken, we question, what can the righteous do? In Psalms 11, David is facing imminent danger from wicked persons who have been their bows and are shooting arrows at him. In the midst of this attack, David's well-meaning friends advise him to run away from danger. They tell him to flee. But David said, in the Lord put I my trust. When we come back, we're going to study Psalms 11, the first psalm of trust. Stay tuned. Welcome back to Broken Vessels, Mended and Whole. Today, we are looking at Psalm 11, the first psalm of trust. Our scripture reading is taken from Psalm 11, verses 1 through 7, and I will be reading from the King James Version of the Bible if you want to follow along with the scripture reading. Now, reading from the book of Psalm, chapter 11, beginning at verse 1, the psalmist says, In the Lord put I my trust. How say ye to my soul, flee as a bird to your mountain? For lo, the wicked bend their bow, they make ready their arrow upon the string, that they may privily shoot at the upright in heart. If the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? The Lord is in his holy temple. The Lord's throne is in heaven. His eyes behold, his eyelids try, the children of men. The Lord trieth the righteous, but the wicked and him that loveth violence, his soul hateth. Upon the wicked he shall rain snares, fire and brimstone, and a horrible tempest. This shall be the portion of their cup. For the righteous Lord loveth righteousness. His countenance doth behold the upright. May the Lord add a blessing to the reading and to the hearing of his word. Amen. Ladies, there are three parts to Psalm 11. In part one, 
verse 1, David declares his trust in the Lord. Part 2, verses 2 through 5, is a very moving remonstrance to the psalmist's enemies. And finally, in part 3, verses 6 through 7, the psalmist expresses his trust in God. So let's unpack Psalms 11. In the first part of Psalms 11, verse 1, David is facing a crisis involving imminent danger from wicked persons, and he declares, In the Lord put I my trust. In the second part of Psalms 11, beginning at verse 2, the Bible says, The wicked bend their bow, they make ready their arrow upon the string, that they may privily shoot at the upright in heart. In the midst of this attack, David's friends advise him to run away from danger. They tell him, flee as a bird to your mountain. But David rebuts the counsel of his friends and asserts that his refuge, meaning his safety, his shelter, from this impending danger is in God. And he asks his friends, how say ye to my soul, or how can you say to me, flee? as a bird to your mountain. The Bible does not specify the crisis in David's life at the time, but it does make it plain that there is a crisis by the image of hidden enemies and by the counsel of David's friends to flee to the mountain strongholds, which is a fortified place that provides defense against attacks. When David's well-meaning friends say, flee, as a bird to your mountain, they are saying, run for your life. Then David, with utmost confidence, says, in the Lord put I my trust. Then David's well-meaning friends, just like our well-meaning friends, begin to cite the danger as if he is completely unaware of the threatening situation. They say, the wicked bend their bow, they make ready their arrow upon the string that they may privily or secretly shoot at the upright in heart. A man is upright in heart when he, as the Apostle Paul says in Philippians 3, forgets those things which are behind and reaches forth unto those things which are before, so as to arrive in a right course with right faith and purpose. Then in verse 3, David's well-meaning friends, people who are there for him and who have his best interests at heart, they have the best of intentions. They are people who are somewhat misguided. They ask the question that our well-meaning friends ask us when we are facing a threat, a question that we've been asked many times. They ask, if the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? Note the plural foundations. A foundation is the basis on which something stands. Here, David's friends are referring to the moral foundations of both society and religion. And they are asking David, when these foundations have been destroyed, what can the righteous do? Many years ago, the Methodist minister Arno Gabeline asked this, quote, the burning question of, I call this, quote, the burning question of our day, end quote. And this is still a burning question for us today. 
How do parents deal with cyberbullying? Who are the victims of human trafficking in the United States and elsewhere for that matter? What are the causes of teenage pregnancy? What are the causes of a broken home? Do families need to be separated to be dysfunctional? How should we address the slow erosion of the moral fiber of the church and a decline in the integrity of church leadership? What is the most crucial political issue today? Is it homelessness, hunger, a lack of affordable health care, or something else? Are these issues, whatever they are, really too big for us to tackle? and resolve? Or have we grown insensitive to the issues and the sufferings of people living on the margins of life all around us? What can the righteous do when they are under attack by the evil ones? What can the righteous do? David's answer was to take refuge, to find safety, to find shelter in the Lord. And this is what we are going to examine in our study today. In challenging times when we face problems that seem to be insurmountable, the righteous ask over and over again, what can I do? What should I do? What can the righteous do? The perfect answer to these questions is hard to find because when we are connecting with our government and things are going well, we tend to rely on civil law and established standards of faith or morality. However, during bad times, when foundations are being destroyed, we ask, what can the righteous do? Well, we should continue being righteous. We can stand against evil or like David, find refuge, safety, shelter in the Lord. But the one thing the righteous must not do is flee as a bird to your mountain. Ladies, do you remember last week when we studied Psalms 8? In verse 5, David said to God when speaking of his created beings, Thou hast made him a little lower than the angels and hast crowned him with glory and honor. David identified with God as being made in his image, mirroring his glory in ways that nothing else in creation can do. David continued to emphasize our significance by speaking of our role as ruler over the world and its creation. Rule is something ascribed to God. In 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 15, the apostle Paul described God as the king of kings and lord of lords. But in Psalms 8, God shares his rule with us making us ruler over over creation with respect to intelligent life on earth. He placed us in a mediating position in the universe. Remember, I quoted Thomas Aquinas, the great Roman Catholic theologian, as saying, quote, Psalms 8 places man midway between the angels which are above him and the beasts which are below him. Man is a spirit body being, end quote. And I said that angels have spirits, but no body. Animals have bodies, but no spirit. But we, all of mankind, are a spirit body being. Psalms 8 speaks of mankind 
And in verses five through eight, it says, for thou has made him a little lower than the angels and has crowned him with glory and honor, has made him to have dominion over the works of thy hands. Thou has put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen, yea, the beast of the field the fowl of the air and the fish of the sea, and whatsoever passeth through the paths of the seas. This section of Psalms 8 alludes to the story of creation found in Genesis chapter 1. And David is describing, describing mankind as a little lower than the heavenly beings, as opposed to a little higher than the beasts. Even though we are positioned halfway between the angels and the beasts, we have the obligation and the privilege to look beyond the angels to God in whose image we have been made as opposed to downward to the beast. In this manner, we become more and more like God rather than beast-like in our behavior, refusing to acknowledge, to look up to, or to even worship God. But in verse 4, of our study today, David says, the Lord is in his holy temple. The Lord's throne is in heaven. His eyes behold, his eyelids try, the children of men. David is saying the righteous look to God. That means they look upwards where his holy temple is and where he is seated on his throne. The throne of God is the seat from which he reigns and renders judgment. So when David looks upwards to God, who is seated on his throne, David is looking to God to render just justice, just as he did in our prior studies of Psalms 1, 3, and 4. And here in Psalms 11, it is David's remembrances of God's justice that increases his faith in God when his well-meaning but misguided friends say to him, in effect, listen, David, the moral foundations of both society and religion are in a state of collapse. The foundations are being destroyed and evil is triumphing over good. Run and hide. But David looked upwards, knowing that the eyes of the Lord are everywhere, keeping watch on the wicked and the good. God is omniscient. He knows everything, and this should serve as a warning for those who the psalmist say in verse 2, privily shoot at the upright in heart. You may think, you are attacking God's people and secret, but not so. You creep around hiding in dark corners as if stalking prey like a sniper from the side. And although the righteous may not see you, their God, who sees, who is all-seeing and all-knowing, certainly does. Your dark, evil days, deeds are so obvious to God that you may as well confront his people and brought daylight face to face. Verse 4 says, the Lord is in his holy temple. The Lord's throne is in heaven. His eyes behold, his eyelids try, the children of men. This means that God examines and judges the upright. He looks at them in great detail. He inspects them and he tries them. 
First Peter chapter one, verse seven says the trial of your faith being much more precious than the gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire might be found unto praise and honor and glory. When the Lord finds the believer to be as he claimed to be, his divine approval rests on him, on them. Verse five says, the Lord trieth the righteous, but the wicked and him that loveth violence, his soul hateth. For David, this is a trial of judgment that contrasts the wicked. The righteous are approved and the wicked are condemned. The Lord not only sees our deeds, but he also judges and renders a verdict on the wicked. Now moving into the third section of Psalms 11. In verse 6, David says, Upon the wicked he, that is God, shall rain snares, fire, and brimstone, and a horrible tempest shall be, this shall be the portion of their cup. This is reminiscent of Sodom and Gomorrah in Genesis chapter 19, verses 24 through 25, where God rained brimstone and fire out of heaven on the wicked. By this reference, David is reminding himself that God does judge the wicked. He is also reminding the righteous that God, in his infinite wisdom, will sometimes spare the wicked for the sake of the righteous, as he promised Abraham he would in the case of Sodom, when he said, if just 10 righteous persons can be found there, he will spare the city. So the question on our text is, what can the righteous do? David's answer is, take refuge in the Lord. And this has been our study today. David looked at the wicked. He looked upwards to God. And in our final verse, David looks to the future and considers his destiny as a man who trusts God. And we can read this verse and consider our destiny as believing women who also trust God. Verse 7 says, For the righteous Lord loveth righteousness. His countenance doth behold the righteous. David is saying, the Lord is righteous and loves righteousness, and the righteous will see his face. The righteous can look forward to this beautiful vision. The Old Testament saints look forward to seeing God face to face, to seeing the glory of God. In Exodus 33:18, Moses asked God to see his face. But in Exodus 33, verses 22 through 23, God answered Moses saying, And it shall come to pass, while my glory passeth by, that I will put thee in a cliff of the rock and will cover thee with my hand while I pass by. And I will take away my hand and thou shalt see my back parts, but my face shall not be seen. 
But we, the New Testament believers, are so blessed because the Apostle John writes in 1 John chapter 3, verse 2, Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he, that is the heavenly glorified Jesus, shall appear that we, that is the righteous, shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Now, ladies, to be sure, we don't know in the kind of detail we would like to know what we will become in the world beyond. In this sense, we cannot even imagine what we will be like in glory. But we do know that when Jesus is revealed to us, whether by his coming for us or our coming to him, we the righteous will be like him. Find peace and comfort in that. In challenging times when foundations are being destroyed and our spirit is broken, we question, what can the righteous do? I want to encourage you, regardless of the counsel of well-meaning friends or family members, to put your trust in the Lord and find refuge, safety, and shelter in him. Because of your human tendencies, you may be thinking, that's easier said than done. But it really isn't. Because as followers of Jesus Christ, yeah, we have our human tendencies, but we have our memories of who we are in Christ. A little lower than the angels, crowned with glory and honor, with dominion over the works of his hands and all things under our feet. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Broken Vessels, Mended and Whole. If this ministry has been a blessing to you and you want to support it, please send whatever gifts of love you feel led to give to Broken Vessels, Mended and Whole, a nonprofit religious organization, P.O. Box 34637, Los Angeles, California, 90034. Join me next week for another episode of Broken Vessels, Mended and Whole. And don't forget to check in with me on Facebook Live at Evangelist Janice, that's J-A-N-I-S, Nelson, today at 12 noon Pacific Daylight Time. In the meantime, take good care and may God continue to bless you.